When it comes to sex positions, what are the favorite? And better yet, which ones are the most orgasmic? Welcome to the Love and Sex Podcast. We're your hosts, Allison and Jeff Scott. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, Coast to Coast, and around the world as we talk about sex and relationships. No topic is out of bounds, and along the way, we're going to share our own experiences, failures, and successes to help you live your best life. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Love and Sex Podcast. You're here, of course, with Allison and Jeff. Welcome, everyone. And Allison, as always, welcome to you. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, welcome, everyone. So before we jump into today's show, as you know, head down to the show notes. Join the private Facebook group for the Love and Sex Podcast. Head over to Amazon. Pick up your book for the seven principles for making marriage or any relationship work and work better. And head over to Pink Cherry where you can pick up some fun items for the bedroom and spice up your sexy time or whatever you want to do. (laughs) So looking at an article recently, Allison, on Yahoo.com, and it was titled The Most Popular Sex Positions basically an article in which some experts, you know, weighed in, explained some of the benefits of different sexual positions and more specifically, which of these positions really led to a more orgasmic experience, especially for women, right? Because usually you don't hear many men faking orgasm. (laughs) Yeah, a real cool article, Uh, fun information. And it's always fun to read about what interests others as well for different reasons, the different positions are very interesting to different people for different reasons. You know, and men and women aren't really all that different when it comes to sex. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from this article, right? It's really the the biggest fear that is shared by men and women in the bedroom is sexual performance, right? Everyone is worried or for the most part, everyone's worried. You always get those people that don't care about the satisfaction of the partner for whatever (laughs) reason. Um, those selfish lovers out there. But for the most part, that's what men and women share. And I think that's something we can all relate to. Yeah, I think we've talked a little bit about people's fears before and everyone has unique fears that are that vary, but pretty much everyone has a little bit of a fear regarding making sure they're satisfying their partner and also enjoying sex as well. You know, and another topic that we've talked about on past episodes and one that comes up in this article as well is that couples both share a desire. Well, I should say not so much couples, but men and women both share a desire to try new positions and or experiment and explore new sexual acts with their partner. And I think we talked about that in the fantasy show. I think that was one of the biggest fantasies that couples have, right? They kind of talked about wanting to explore different sexual acts, whether that be role-playing or BDSM or whatever the case may be. That's a similar feeling for both genders. Yeah, we definitely talked about it before when we were talking about fantasies and role playing and in and, and those shows. And I agree. I mean, it's we've you and I have discussed how people get into their routine and especially if they've been together for a period of time and they know what positions work well for them and they're both satisfied, they kind of have their go to. Um, although deep down, oftentimes they they would love to try something new, something different. And it shows based on what this article was sharing that people are searching a lot of different positions. So people are interested in in branching out a little bit and trying new things. And if memory serves me correct, I think when we were talking about that show, we had brought up 
a statistic about couples that want to explore and experiment with each other. And I want to say it was like 75 or 76% of couples want to kind of go down that road of exploration with their partner in the bedroom. And yet so many people are unsatisfied in the bedroom. And we're always talking about communication, communication, communication all the time. <laughs> so I'm sure, uh, as you know, we're always talking about that, but there clearly this is showing that there's a lot of people that want to explore with their partners and there's a lot of unsatisfied people out there. So somewhere along the line, there is a breakdown in the communication and what's happening in the bedroom because too many people are coming out of the bedroom, not happy or not fulfilled. Thanks, Allison. <laughs> no, I totally agree. But, you know, when we talked about the communication piece, I think it's hard when people have been together for a while. We're always like, who brings it up? Like, who's the one that says, like, I want to try something different? It's it's scary. You know, you and I were lucky because we started off a little bit later in our lives. We weren't, you know, we had had some previous relationships. Um, so we started off with a very open mind and a lot of communication about sex and and different types of positions and different types of role playing and just different interests that might have been harder for us to bring up if we had been with the same partner for a long period of time, because there's that fear of, okay, well, why do they want to do something different now? Is there a reason why they want to change positions? Am I not satisfying them? Did they see it someplace else? That kind of thing. So, you know, we joke about communication and we need to say it at least five times in every show, but that's totally what it's about is communicating with your partner and even maybe explaining and calming their fears a little bit if they have a concern about you having an interest in trying a different position because that's really how you keep things going. You spice it up a little bit here and there. Yeah, and you bring up a good point that really from the get-go, we were both very open about our sexual interests and desires and you know all of those good things. And I, I've always been a believer, and we've mentioned this before and we've talked about this before, so it's going to not really be a surprise. But I think we all fear, right? You're, you're talking about the fear of, of, you know, sharing like what might interest you sexually, right? Some of the things that you might want to explore with or experiment with and try with your partner. And we all, again, we say this time and time again. We probably say this as much as we do communication, right? But we talk about how we fear that rejection or being sex shamed because we have a certain desire or a certain sexual interest. And so we have all these fears that are that are built up inside of us. And I think a lot of it is self-induced. And I think if we were to sit down and just talk openly and honestly with our partner, I think we would get more positive responses than we might imagine. There's always going to be people out there that don't, res that re don't respond positively. And, you know, that's a whole nother show really, right? Maybe, maybe there's a problem with the fit between you and your partner if you can't sit down and have these open and honest conversations with each other. But it, it is really important to have these conversations. And I always liked that we did it in the very beginning, Allison, because I feel like if you're going to be rejected by someone, why not do it in the very beginning when <laughs> you're not invested in that relationship yeah. yet, right? If you're two or three years into a relationship and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know, I would like to try role playing or I would like to try this because this is something that's always kind of turned me on. It's something that I've thought about and I think it would be fun to try if you get a really negative response to that, that could be really damaging to the relationship or you're never going to say it because of the of, of that fear of that negativity. And yet then you're kind of living life always feeling unfilled. Um, I, I think I know I've been there. And so I can, you know, stand for the fact that 
it's no fun to kind of, I, I say you live with these secrets, right? But you're not being open and honest with your partner about what you like. And yet these feelings will always be inside of you of, of things you want to try. And I think that really impacts your overall sex life. We've been very open, Allison, and just talked recently about the fact that I came from a very sexless relationship. And I knew too that after getting out of that and, and really gaining some clarity about my life and myself, I knew I definitely didn't want to be in a sexless relationship anymore. So it was really important to me that when we met that we had a level of openness and honesty so that you knew coming in and I knew coming in, you know, where we were with that. Yeah. And I, it's kind of interesting how it ended up just snowballing into us like sharing everything. So we shared a little bit about past relationships because that's what you do when you're first getting to know someone. And then we talked a little bit about our sex lives and our past relationships and just the level of trust and communication that we had between us that we just started talking more and more about things that we had done in the past, things that we were interested in doing and things that neither one of us have ever shared with anyone else. We just never felt like we had that safe space. Uh, So we're, if it comes to us trying a new sexual position or something new, neither one of us are going to shame the other one. We're not going to question, Oh, why do you want to try that? Where did that come from? Like we've been very open all along, but if you've been in a long-term relationship and someone wants to try something different, there are going to be questions like, you know, where, where is this coming from type thing? My guess is if it's pleasurable for both, the other partner is going to welcome the change. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a scary thing. And it's, um, and I, like I said, when people get into routines, uh, and they're, they're having very similar type of sexual experiences with each other regularly, even if they have a lot of sex, but it's very similar every single time, then the, if you try to shake things up a little bit, it could, could confuse your partner. Yeah. And I mean, and if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, how long can you do that before that just becomes kind of like, I mean, it's going to become stagnant, right? Kind of like you said, routine, but you lose some of the some of the fire and the passion, right? For the sexual experience, like you need to mix things up uh, to kind of keep things fresh and kind of keep a certain level of excitement there. And so those things are really important. And, you know, I talk about how, you know, we kind of talked about these conversations when we first met. It wasn't like it was, you know, the first sentence out of our mouth. Well, (laughs) hey, you know, you into this? You know, I mean, it's just early on in the relationship, right? Whatever that means for you or whatever that looks like, that might be a week into the relationship. It might be a month into the relationship. But before you get too invested, it's always good to have these conversations to see where you both stand on this subject. And I think the hardest part, like most of these conversations, is simply getting the ball rolling. But once you get going and once you get into the conversation, everything is going to flow much easier and you're going to feel a whole new level of comfort. And we have always, always been big proponents of the question game, which is a lot of how we went about it, Allison, and a lot of how we learned so much about each other so quickly, right? And we've talked about this a million times before, but just in case you missed it, we'll give you a quick reiteration. It just starts off simple, right? Hey, um, how many different places have you lived in your life and what was your favorite and why? How many cars have you had in your life, right? I mean, stupid type stuff, right? But you're getting to know your partner and what these questions might appear stupid on the surface. But as you go through, you're answering them, right? You're being honest. You're being open with each other. And that is slowly helping to build 
a trusting relationship. And then as that progresses, you start to take on those tougher questions. Okay, maybe how many sexual partners have you had in your life? That's always a real tough one that a lot of couples want to stay away from um, because you definitely feel I'm going to be judged for this, right? Whatever my answer is, I'm going to be judged in some sort of way. And I think that's probably even a harder question for women because we have this social acceptance for men that it's okay to have a lot of sexual partners, but for women, it's not so much like that. So it's pretty different, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) for sure. So the question game was always great for us. And you're right. We didn't, we didn't jump right into the nitty gritty and this, the sexy questions right out of the gate, but we learned so much about each other and it helped us build trust as well. And what's funny is that sexual partner question didn't come till, you know, a couple months in because it didn't really matter to us that much, you know? Yeah. That definitely came later on. Yeah. I mean, we, we were well into a relationship by then we, because it didn't matter because we, we met a little bit older in life. You know, we'd, we'd, been married before we'd had other relationships we'd had other mm-hmm. you know various experiences and it didn't matter what the number was you know again because we, we've both practiced safe sex so that wasn't a concern for us for any of that type of thing but um it was a little bit interesting to learn each other's you know number but saying all of that we also expanded that question game into something that's more of like a relationship um type of conversation which is something that you had stumbled across which was, what did you do for your relationship today? And we went through a phase where we really were asking each other this every day because it it put into perspective, and it doesn't have to be, you know, that you did absolutely everything for your partner because we both work and we have things going on, whatever, but it gave us some awareness to make sure that we were recognizing how much our partner was doing for us each day and and, or how much we were doing for them. It helped them recognize too, because sometimes, you know, you get into the rut where you think you're doing everything and they're not doing anything. You become a scorekeeper, right? Yeah. It happens a lot in relationships and that can cause a lot of fights. Scorekeeper is a great way to look at it. And some things are more subtle. So, okay, you might not, you might have done a bunch of chores around the house today and you were busy and, and were doing things that were important for us to be able to spend some free time together. But on the back end... I was paying bills and doing something else. So it might not have looked like I was doing anything, but we we're both doing our part. So the reason I mentioned this of what do we do for your relationship today is that is another way that couples maybe that have been together longer can start opening up some of their communication, whether it be similar to our um, invented question game or this, what have you done for your relationship today or other type of relationship things that can start to get the the conversations going so that someone might feel comfortable talking about new sex positions and that kind of thing, rather than quote unquote, springing something on their partner, which again, as long as everybody feels good in the end, I don't think your partner is going to complain about a new and unique position. But in case there's that fear that after a period of time, they're going to think something is strange or something is odd. If you are suddenly suggesting, suggesting in a, a new position you haven't done before, or just, you know, diving into a new position in bed and shocking your partner. Or I want to play the stock boy and you're going to play the grocery yeah. store <laughs> customer. You're here for your cucumbers, ma'am. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, if you break that out three years down the line, all of a sudden your partner's looking at you like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Where did this come from? Right. Yeah. So it, I think it is good to have those questions earlier rather than later so that you don't shock your partner and all of a sudden they're like become suspicious about where this is all coming from. But to circle back to something you said, Allison, I do love that question, right? What have you done for your relationship today? Because as you alluded to, it's something that 
I think it's so easy day to day. You wake up and you do whatever you do for your household. And it's very easy to look at that and be like, well, I did this, this, and this, you know, what are they doing? <laughs> you know, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, you know, I got up early and, you know, I made coffee for you. And then, um, you know, I, if you have kids, you know, maybe I dropped the kids off at school today. And then, you know, I got home and I made dinner and then I folded the laundry. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, geez, I did this, this, and this, what are they doing? Then all of a sudden you hear what they did and you're like, oh shit. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I really, I really wasn't thinking about that or I didn't think about it that way or I didn't realize that you did that. It, it happened without, you know, I didn't even notice it or something. And before you know it, you start, you just start to have a better appreciation, I think, for your partner and what they're doing too. And it be, you start to realize that this is more about being a team and it's not about waking up every day doing things just so you can say you did more and you can essentially hold that against your partner somehow. And it also opens your own eyes about maybe your partner is contributing and putting more effort into the relationship than you are. Like it can go both ways, you know, not just the scorekeeping, but maybe if you are, you know, not putting in as much of an effort. And again, they don't have to be chores and that kind of thing. It can be anything like, you know, I told you I love you 20 times today, or I called you at lunch to tell you I missed you or whatever. I mean, these are different things that are doing that are that you can be doing that are participating to the health of your relationship. Um, but your partner who did the laundry and dropped off the kids and mowed the lawn and made the coffee is like, I did everything today. Not realizing those other things also are contributing to the health of your relationship. Right. It doesn't have to be these. It, we talked about this with love languages. It doesn't have to be these extravagant events. A simple text message that says, hey, I know you had an important meeting today or an important phone call. How did it go? Right. That shows your partner that one, that you were listening to them and what's going on in their life matters to you. And two, you followed up to check in on them. So it shows that you're thinking about them too. Those things, even subtle, little, little things like that can go such a long way for the overall health of the relationship, like you said, Allison. Yeah. So I know you're probably wondering out there, right? Hey, I thought you said we were going to be talking about <laughs> sex positions. What the hell's going on? Why are we talking about this lovey-dovey stuff, right? Um, yeah, so let, we digress sometimes, but you know, it's this stuff is still important. So let's let's talk about some of the favorite sex positions, right? What sex positions are best for helping both partners, especially women, reach orgasm? And uh, again, just some of the popular stuff out there. So number one, of course, uh, is doggy style. And of course, we're all familiar with this, right? Woman's on her hands and knees, man's behind her, penetrating her. This is the most searched sex position online. 820,000 monthly searches on doggy style. This is actually allows the best chance of mutual orgasm. Mm. And it can also be a position that's good if you're looking to kind of do like some of that dominance and submission type of feeling because it's, it's more of a, a you know, a dominance uh, position for the male and obviously a more submissive position for the female. Allison, from a woman's standpoint, doggy style, how would you rate it up there compared to other positions? Yeah, I would rate it high. <laughs> um, it's, good. it's a good, good position to go to Pound Town. Yeah, right? that's, that's if definitely. If you want to take a trip to Pound Town. That's, that's definitely a position to take the trip to Pound Town. That also can be at various angles, right? So you can be you know, you could be standing, you being the male can be standing on the side of the bed or could be kneeling on the bed. So there's kind of like different angles where 
you can um, go to pound town. And I think that makes, you know, for various levels of orgasm for the female as well. And like you said, it's a really high chance of both orgasming in that type of position, which is obviously the ultimate goal is for everyone. But there is kind of the thing that I like about it. It's kind of like that grabby kind of submissive dominance piece to it. It's a good, it's a good position for the guy to do a little ass spanking. If yeah, you're into that, right? spanking, grabbing, kind of like tugging, little, like little, little tickle of the butthole. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you insist, um, no, but even like the whole thing, like, I mean, there've been times before where I, you know, I'm not sure exactly what position we're going to end up in. And all of a sudden, like I get like flipped over and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> um, so that there's a lot of benefits to that position, especially if kind of you like that manhandly type feel. Um, obviously, it doesn't have to be like a super aggressive type of uh, sexual experience, but doggy is very popular for many people for many reasons. It's weird though because I do know women who do not like it, and I well, think- it allows deep penetration too. So, I mean, I I suppose depending on you know if you're a woman in your makeup, right? Depending on the size of the penis, it could range from pleasurable to uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. I mean, yep. if you hit the wrong spot at the wrong time, it could be a lot of, like you said, different angles can cause a lot of good pleasures, but it can also cause some pain too. Right. It can be, it, there, there can be a, a very, very deep sensation um, from, from doggy from that angle as well. And it's a little bit less um, like affectionate and lovey. And we've talked about this before that, you know, any type of sex, which could be deemed to be like on the more aggressive end, any of the, you know, more unique role plays or anything like that. Some people believe is like less loving or they feel like it's less loving and it's totally not. It's all part of lovemaking. It's just different styles. But I do know that some people, some women that I know have shared before that they just don't feel like it's as respectful and loving. It's just not for them. Yeah. And I get, Hey, that's what makes the world go round. Right. Um, but, you know, you bring up another point too, Allison, that it's worth mentioning too. You know, you were talking about this could be the man standing up on the side of the bed, kneeling on the bed. doesn't even need to be on the bed. It could be on the floor. It could be, you know, the woman could be on a couch, like with her arms on the back. I know that we had an experience in which we were on the couch and I was standing behind you, but you said like, like that angle was, was like phenomenal. ridiculously good. Right? Yeah. The height was like perfect on it. Right. And right. So my hands were on the back of the couch, you know, facing away from you. This was a spontaneous thing. That's that also made it so like very, very good. And right. Very right. hot. But that angle was to die for. That was that. Thank you for reminding me. I need to take a cold shower right now. <laughs> um, but right. So, so you, you, you've hit the point there that that can be anywhere. I said, you know, on the bed, but yeah. And you know, we may or may not have done it on the floor before also. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Carry on. Be very quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing is, right, is you're talking about the angle, but like, so we really kind of understand, right. Everyone listening to this understands women probably are understanding, right. Because we're talking about, the G spot, are we not? Like the the angle of that is going to be whether or not the penis is actually touching that button inside, right? And so, it the angle is going to be different for every woman based on her body makeup, right? And 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 how your everything's going on. But certain angles are going to be better for certain women based on whether or not that spot is being hit. 
Right. And and it it actually can be very marginal. Like a slight movement makes it feel very different. Like a slight adjustment in the angle. So. so you and and doggy style can be I think what's interesting about doggy style is it can have like a lot of modifications to it, right? You weren't just talking about whether the man is standing or kneeling or whether you're changing heights like you're on a bed or you're on a couch. But you could have it so that like you as the woman, right? You might have like your head down on the bed. Yeah. Right. So kind of puts the 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 butt and the and the vagina more up in the air as opposed to if you lift your head up and have it up. You could also be being pushed a little bit more forward, maybe have like a pillow underneath the belly, right? And so you might have a little prop up there and that creates, so obviously the the butt and the vagina and everything is going lower, but with the pillow underneath it, it can kind of push up the midsection a little bit and the guy's going to be leaning a little bit more forward so that the angle would be a little bit more towards the G spot. So there's a lot of different types of positions you could actually do a doggy style that can really change the angle and whether or not you're hitting the G spot of your partner. Correct. You hit the nail on the head. My God, I think she'd be on Dr. Ruth. <laughs> she's still alive. I feel like I heard her not that long ago, but it was probably a recording. I think she's still 95 talking <laughs> yeah. about vaginas on TV. Exactly. God bless her. Accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Number two position is missionary. And of course, this is when the man is on top of the woman, right? She's on her back. The man's on top. Another very popular position, probably one of the most popular sex positions that we're all familiar with, Um, 600 monthly searches compared to the 820 for doggy style. This is obviously one of the most intimate positions, and this goes back to what you were just saying a second ago, Allison, when it comes to -to face-to-face contact. Um, This is a, a position that can be really great, right? Because not only can you have the actual penetration of sex, And not only, and you can, of course, modify this too, right? You can have the legs over your shoulders, over your arms, so that you can, you know, again, obtain deeper penetration, all sorts of different things you can do. Um, But you have that face-to-face contact, so you can have some of that more intimate feel if you want to go for that as well. Right, absolutely. And I do think that that face-to-face is such, such a loving experience. And even if, you know, it's a newer sexual partner, it's still the kissing and all of that can really, you know, ramp things up and really get your juices flowing, if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, I am Lord. 100 years old. But that for sure is, is will always be an amazing position. So what's interesting, too, is I think we see this more with missionary style. But for the man out there, right, in the missionary position, it's good to, and if you listen to Caitlin V, she'll tell you this all the time, it's the best thrusting method for men is not to do the same pace, the same rhythm over and over and over again, because our bodies and our nerve endings eventually adjust to that. And what happens is, is you actually start to lose sensitivity. So obviously the woman in this case is the one losing the sensitivity because it's that same thrusting motion over and over again. So it's important to mix up the thrusting motion with shallow thrusts, deeper thrusts, faster, slower, change it up every so often so that it's constantly stimulating the nerve endings. But on the missionary position, Allison, right, it, it's something that feels good is when it's like you just go full, full penetration, right, where you're all in, but like you just hold it there. 
Right. There's actually no move. That's like a good thing, right? On the missionary. It's especially if you're on the button. Like if you're right on the spot or close to it, then. The, like you can kind of move your hips and push that's up That's what I was going to say. The woman on the bottom can really get it to the exact right spot. And I mean, obviously there's multiple ways to reach orgasm. And I am lucky enough to be able to reach orgasm multiple ways. But there are different motions that you can do on the bottom also. And it's. Going in deep and touching the button is always a good thing, too. Yeah. A great aspect, I suppose, of missionary position is that it allows for easy clitoral stimulation, either by the man, because really the man could be not necessarily laying down on top of their partner, right? But you could be up on your knees a little bit, kind of doing the missionary position. It's a little bit, again, of a modified uh, missionary position, but you can easily reach right down and play with the the clitoris or the woman herself can play with the clitoris during this position, which is another benefit to adding some extra stimulation. Yeah. Yep. And reaching orgasm really, right. Is what it comes down to. Right. And even though the, the woman is reaching the orgasm, I know that oftentimes the man likes to watch that too. To yeah, it, of course. See you helping yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's Team, nothing, teamwork. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> Dreamwork makes the dream work, right? <laughs> Did I say dreamwork makes the dream work? Teamwork. Teamwork makes, the, makes dream the dream work. work. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant to say at any rate. Mm-hmm. Um, missionary is also another position that's really good for beginners, right? Because there's nothing tricky about it. And I think that's probably what we see most beginners do. Because I think it to me, it's just I think it's the most instinctual position that people just mm-hmm. go to. Yeah. Um, but it's also good for people who lack mobility. So if you know, you just had that hip replaced or that knee replaced missionary position might be the best way for you to go because it's just going to be probably the easiest with the least acrobatics possible. Right. <laughs> the uh, third position on here is the reverse cowgirl. I like the reverse cowgirl, right? So this is, of course, is the woman on top. But when she's on top, she's not facing her partner. She's actually faced away, right? So the man is looking at her back and her butt. Mm-hmm. And the penetration from behind, which is super, super sexy. Now, this one is searched. It's actually, they say it's the most searched position in the UK with 480,000 monthly searches, which compared to doggy style, 820, it's quite a bit less. But mm-hmm. it is still, I think, a popular position that we that we often see. It's increased with popularity because of the angle of penetration, because this is another one you can do a lot of different things with, right, Allison? You can be straight up. You can lean back. Or you can actually lean forward more away from your partner and it completely changes the angle of penetration. Yeah, leaning forward, that's I that's a position that I enjoy because I do feel a lot of control. And leaning forward, I can like hold on, right? I have, can have my hands down on the ground or hold on to your legs or whatever. But what's interesting is it's reverse cowgirl, right? That's the for, official name, you know, official. I used to always call this froggy. Froggy. <laughs> <laughs> So if there's anyone that's wondering, what's reverse cowgirl? That sounds weird. It's froggy. Okay, it's that's froggy. it. Okay. Well, you learn something every day. Um, but there are a lot of benefits to that. Like I would think for the male, you're lying there sitting pretty, right? The female is taking the lead, taking charge in the situation. You can also have a great view, right? So well, that's one of the big benefits yeah. of it, right? Is the visual aspect for the man. Visual. So not only are you looking at the back door, right? You're looking at the whole <laughs> butt and you're actually watching um, the, penetration. The, the penetration. And that I, I mean, can imagine it's just like a 
just an exciting thing to watch and probably, you know, get you even more hot for the experience. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and it definitely is a great way to add butthole stimulation as well, because obviously it's right there. So it's, it, it's like it's made for the thumb. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but, you know, I think one of the, I think it's, this is probably going to really be any position where the woman is on top, but one of the great advantages of reverse cowgirl, as you mentioned, Allison, you have a lot more control in this position. So you're, not only are you able to control the pace of the sex, but you're also able to control the depth, which being on top, right, is another position where you can hit the cervix, you know, and, and be in pain. So if you can control that pace and depth, then you can also do a lot to kind of get the man going, right? Because then it's, then you're kind of, you can do the teasing thing where maybe, you know, you just, just a tip just for a second yeah. to see how it feels. Um, or you can go deeper, right? Or you can go faster or slower. And so it can become very torturous. And the, the one that I like, right, when on the top position is uh, a little external play, right? So mm. where it's just putting the penis between the lips yeah. and then sliding up and down. Oh, my goodness. Yep. <laughs> we take a break in the show. <laughs> so that's the reverse cowgirl. The next one is just the cowgirl, which is just a woman on top facing her partner. So this one has a few less monthly searches, only 390 monthly searches, 390,000, I should say, not 390. But obviously this, again, as we just said, is where the woman can control the depth and pace. This can be a more comfortable position compared to the reverse cowgirl with a partner who's more well endowed. Accurate or? Yeah, I mean, I I guess so, but I think they're pretty equal because you can um you can have control on the top of of how how deep that goes. Um, I just I can't really understand because you would think, okay, you have a penis going into a vagina and your body's facing one way or the other way, and it probably feels exactly the same, and it truly does not. It yeah, feels I would see like the, the angle would be very different because yes. I, I I mean, if you look at the the vaginal canal, if you will, right where the penis is going in. It's like there's a front and a back and there's a shape to it. So to me, it makes sense that if you're, you know, doing the reverse cowgirl compared to the normal cowgirl, there's going to be some differences in the sensation just because penises too aren't perfectly straight, right? There's usually like a little curvature to them. So if you match that up with the the angle of the vaginal canal, there's there's going to be some differences there. Yeah, it's I, I would definitely say forward facing is a deeper type feel, um, but I guess it depends on how you line yourself up, but. All real good positions, to be honest. And again, we talk about modifications of these positions. The woman can be on top, like where she's on her knees and her legs are kind of behind her. She can also be squatting where you're on your feet, right? And you're and the and the knees are kind of up. So there's all sorts of different things that you can do to modify that position and add some interest into it. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All good stuff. All good stuff. <laughs> and this is interesting. The last one in the top five is actually nothing to do with penetration, but it's 69, right? Which is both partners obviously giving each other oral pleasures. So this is a very popular search as well. 360 monthly searches, multiple. Well, I shouldn't say multiple. I should say basically simultaneously giving each other oral sex is something that can be very enjoyable and also very intimate, right? So it's typically done as like an activity for foreplay, right? Before the penetration actually is occurring. 
but it's definitely something that can offer mutual climax. And I don't, here, here's an interesting question. And I'll, I'll let you answer this first, Allison. Is a okay. climax from oral stimulation, do you think that that's less satisfying, equally satisfying, or more satisfying than a climax from penetration? Hmm. I would say equal. I know that some women actually like oral better. I was going to say, I've heard that over the course of my life. I've heard that comment many times. Yeah, I would say it's equal. Um, but I, I also think because oral oftentimes can have a lot more action on the clit, and that's often also where women have better or more orgasms, um, that may be why oral is better for them. But because I can orgasm in multiple different ways, including vaginal, um, deep penetration, whatever, they're to me, they're very equal. They're different. But I would say like the they equal out for me. But I do know a lot of women love oral more. Mm, that's really interesting. I, I I would from my point of view, I think I would say that they're they're pretty equal too. But there is something that you said, and and that they're different. And for me, it's like you know the orgasm part of it, right? It's amazing with either one. But then the different part for me is. There's just something about the orgasm from oral, right? There's, I think there's that taboo yeah, part of it that, I was gonna that, say that adds that you. little extra sexual intrigue for me. Yeah, it's just super sexy. Well, yeah, not even maybe taboo, but just um, more rare. Like it's not, and that's not necessarily an everyday. Well, there's a visual situation. aspect to yeah. it too, right? So like if you're doing the whole facial thing. Yeah, you know, that's one of my favorites. One of your favorites. So when you're doing, when you're adding that visual piece to it, along with the feelings that you get from just the climax, yeah, that's that's pretty hot. Yeah, it's it's weird because I personally think sixty nine is challenging. Like oral sex, each you know one one at a time, is slightly more pleasurable for me because for sixty nine. I've got a lot going on at once, right? So I'm doing a lot of work and also receiving a lot of pleasure at the same time. And I, I get distracted because if I'm going to go into a full lucky, lucky <laughs> me, if I'm going into a full blown <laughs> orgasm, right? It's I'm, I'm going to lose track of what I'm doing. Okay. And all of a sudden you're not getting any, anymore. I'm not getting anything. <laughs> exactly. So, um, the whole experience is great for foreplay and I think it's, it's fun and there's, I definitely do enjoy it. But if we were talking about all the different, you know, positions that we spoke of today, that's not my favorite overall for that reason. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I mean, I think there is something very sexual and, and sexy about the whole 69 thing and, 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 and the mutual oral stimulation. There is definitely something there, but I do think it is a little bit, inconvenient in the sense of you have to really have a, a good position worked out, yeah. right? Because it's really, it's like if the man is on top, right? With a woman on her, like maybe the woman's laying down on her back, right? And the man's on top. I mean, you know, that can be tough for the woman if, 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 uh, you know, you have a gag factor, <laughs> right? Cause it's just natural to, uh, in that position to go, to, to go too deep. Yeah, because you're you're just you know to use the word you used earlier, thrusting. Right. Yeah, right? you're, you're, you're thrusting, thrusting down, and then it can be hard for the woman to. Yeah, and you're also participating 
in oral sex at the same time. So you're to do two things at once, to be licking and, and sucking and touching and whatever you may be wanting to do down there. You have to kind of keep a steady pace on the other end because it's it's hard to do both. Like I'm not trying to downplay it or say it's not fun, but I, I don't think it's the easiest thing. And it's it can be work. Yeah, it can be work. <laughs> For those of us that aren't that coordinated, it's <laughs> um, but definitely a fun, fun experience. Just one that's um, you know a little bit, a little bit different than the others. So those those are the the most popular sex positions that are that are good from a, a popularity standpoint and also an orgasm standpoint. So we got doggy style, cowgirl, reverse cowgirl, missionary style, and sixty nine. Is there any other positions, Allison, that you know aren't aren't listed in this article that you personally feel is worth maybe mentioning? Yeah, prone, prone bone. <laughs> so that's with you laying on your stomach mm-hmm. and me behind you. Yep, and that is, I mean, maybe that's a variation. But of you're doggy. laying completely. You're laying completely yeah, flat. Yeah, completely right? flat. Right. So I mean, it it may be considered a variation of doggy. Like we talked about all different heights or whatever. I know it has its own name, being prone. But that, and I know you know this too, that's a totally different sensation, a totally different sensation. I feel like that, though, goes back to what we were talking about when we were talking about doggy. I feel like that is something that allows for that more extreme angle to the button, as you like to call it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's like a button. The G spot is a button. It's a very, very happy button. It is. Yeah, but there's also, I think there's just... Um, right, because no. there's more of a downward angle, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think that's what probably causes it. Like in the in the prone position, the guy is much higher than if you had your butt in the air. Yeah. Right. If the woman has her is laying flat, then the guy is going to be much higher with more of a, a an, the penis going in, angling down towards the bed or whatever what surface you're on. Um, so I would imagine that that is makes it a little bit easier to hit the G spot. Yeah. Or even if you lie flat on top. So like you're as flat, as flat as you can get. It's just, it's an amazing feeling. I personally really enjoy that. So um, I didn't want, you know, you you asked what other great positions that I would recommend. And that's another one that I think is great. Now, I know we talk about like, you know, how good the, like the spooning position, right? Or both on our sides is for anal. But how it is, how does that rate for vaginal? Yeah, I think that's also great for vaginal. I mean, it is amazing for anal. That is an amazing position for anal. The angle and just the closeness, right? The whole thing is, I think it's perfect for anal. And it's easy to stimulate the clitoris or the vagina in that stage um, or that position, I should say, uh, because it's very easy just to lift the leg, right? And everything is right there where your hand is. So it makes it very natural as far as that goes. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that's a great position for Uh, vaginal sex as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great position. I think it makes it harder like to, you know, have a deeper penetration. It also makes it harder to um, change your pace just because it's kind of a a weird position on your side and it's just, it's it's hard to get leverage, I guess, for thrusting Uh, mm -hmm. type of thing. But, but other than that, I I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's a good position and it's like, it's very fun because it's, like I said, you can easily reach the vagina, at, you know, to stimulate it, but you can also reach around to play with, you know, the boobs to stimulate the nipples and do all those things. And you can even like 
because you can like slip your the arm that you're laying on, right? You can kind of slip underneath your partner. So you can play with both boobs at the same time. So you can do all sorts of different things like that to add some extra stimulation for your partner, which I think is good. Yeah. But as, and as long as that's good for you too. And I, I think that that's actually a position also where you can get a little bit grabby, right? Cause yeah. you, you're, you're so close and, and you can, I mean, you might not be able to get like the, um, the speed of the thrusting and that kind of thing, but you can, you can get that, you can get that deep. You can make that pretty serious there. And that's good too. Like, right. If you're using the toys and doing the, the double penetration experience, oh, right? yeah. um, you can, you know, you can do anal at the same time and then easily work a toy in and out of the vagina or whatever. So it really makes it kind of an, an easy position for that. Or even to stimulate the clit with a toy while you're in the vagina because you're right there. Right. right. So yeah, that is, a, I'm, I can't believe I forgot to mention that position, but that is another great one too. Yeah, those are all good. Yeah. All really good. All right. So there you have it, guys. Those are the uh, most popular sex positions with some of the most orgasmic. What do you think? Is there something that we haven't touched on that works for you and you think is worth mentioning? Let us know. We'd love to hear it. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it so much. Don't forget, join the Love and Sex Podcast Facebook group today. Get your book, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, over at Amazon. And go to Pink Cherry to get some of these toys that we were just talking about and start spooning and DPing yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Have fun with it at any rate. Hey, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it so much. Until the next episode, be safe and be kind.